welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Influence of many of the old timers, one of whom was Brother Howard A. Goss. Brother Goss used to teach us this don't ever tell people to say amen when you're preaching. If you some, say something worth saying amen to, they'll do it automatically. Ooh. That's something else, wasn't it? Hallelujah. You ready for me to preach a little bit? Are you really ready? Shake hand with somebody and say, I hope he preaches tonight. Come on, do it. I hope he preaches tonight. <laughs> praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And in case you're, in case you're wondering, it's 920. And my sermons are not long. They just seem that way. And I thank God for his goodness, for the move of the Lord that we have had every night for several that have already received the Holy Ghost. And we are here for one reason and one reason only, and that is to lift up the beautiful, majestic, hallowed, holy, glorious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy. If you have your Bibles tonight and will turn with us to the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, beginning with verse 11. Exodus chapter 12, verse 11. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am 
the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. My subject tonight, the power of the blood. Will you say that with me? The power of the blood. Say it again. The power of the blood. Lord Jesus, I plead the blood. I bind every spirit of division. Lord, I put under the blood every individual in this tabernacle. I call the angels of God to reckon that we are under the blood tonight. And may great things be done under the canopy of the blood to the glory of God. Help us, Lord, rescue from the ash heap of oblivion the sweet, glorious message of the power of the blood. In Jesus' name. Everybody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus and everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. I don't need to give a lengthy dissertation on Exodus chapter 12. You know the story. Plagues had fallen upon Egypt in God's divine design. It was time for Israel's exodus from the land of bondage. The Lord spoke and he commanded every household in the land of Goshen inhabited by Israelites to take the blood of the lamb and with a hyssop apply it to the doorposts, the lentils of their home and to stay in that house and be under the sanctity of the blood. And he said, tonight the death angel is going to pass through the land. And the only thing that's going to save anybody is the power of the blood of that lamb. And when I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. Cannot explain it. My vocabulary is inadequate, but I know it's true. There's something about the blood of the lamb that attracts God. There's something about the blood of the Lamb that excites him to his highest thoughts, emotions, and power. If you want power with God, power for man, and power against Satan, it all comes through the blood of the Lamb. In fact, I'm afraid that I sense in recent years a drifting away from some basic preaching in our midst. Ask yourself this question, and I don't mean to be condemnatory because I speak of myself as well as thee. How long has it been since you've heard a subject strictly on the power of the blood? Alluded to, spoken of, occasionally mentioned. But the old timers used to preach a lot about the blood and about the name and about the spirit and about our, our spiritual arsenal and what we could do with these divine, uh, this divine artillery that God had given us. There are three things that I see here about the blood in Exodus chapter 12. Number one, the blood protected them. 
Number two, the blood delivered them. And number three, the blood purged them from all of their past Egyptian history. Protection, deliverance, yes, deliverance. You know how they got out of Egypt? They got out of Egypt by the blood, under the cloud, through the water, and full of the lamb. Because he said, you eat that roasted lamb before you leave. And if we ever get out of Egypt, we're going to get out by the blood, through the water, under the glory cloud, and full of the lamb. The message of Exodus 12 is relevant today. I thank God for the power of the lamb. I thank God I've been through the water in the name of the lamb. I praise him for the day that the glory cloud covered me and I was filled with his spirit and just as the lamb delivered me, his flesh nourishes me and I'm a feasting on the lamb tonight. All of it is back to the power. Three and a half million, possibly. Three and a half million Israelites. They tell us that that would be a column three miles long if they marched 5,000 abreast. Three and a half million. And the Bible said there wasn't a feeble one amongst them. Now don't tell me out of three and a half million, somebody didn't have a bad back. Don't tell me that somebody didn't have arthritis. Don't tell me that somebody wasn't lame and crippled. But I can't doubt the book. It said when they came out, there wasn't a feeble one among them. Oh, there's a lot in the blood. There's a lot in the blood. Can you imagine when the command was given, go! Somebody said, oh, what are we going to do about Grandpa? He's been over and he can't walk. And about that time they heard snap, crackle, and pop. And here came Grandpa. What's the matter? I don't know. But all of a sudden, I felt something hit me. When y'all said, let's go, I felt it. And I can see somebody with twisted limbs all of their life when the command was given, go. All of a sudden, they straightened up and there wasn't a feeble one among them because of the power of the blood. There's salvation in the blood. There's deliverance in the blood. There's purging in the blood. There's healing in the blood. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Don't you go out of the house? You'll be all right. You know, you go into the miracles of the Gospels and you find two things. You'll find deliverance from the devil and protection from the devil and purging from your past life. Now, we know that. But in Pentecost, it's not enough for us to just have head knowledge of it. We must not neglect to use the power of the blood. Because our concept about the blood is not just a theological position. The life is in the blood. 
Everything we believe and teach and hope for hinges on the efficacy and the power of the blood of the Lamb. It's not enough for me to stand here and debate that I believe in the literal, corporal, actual shedding of the blood of Jesus and that without that shedding, uh, there's, there's just no hope. Uh, it's useless for me to take a theological position. In fact, we could argue over it in our head and not activate it in our heart. I can literally move in and flow in this 20th century into the power of the blood of the Lamb. And it can bring an added dimension to my life as a preacher and to your life as a saint of God. How beautiful in a time of chaos for all of Israel to know that their house was under the blood. And whatever happened in Egypt, they were going to be alright because they were under the blood. And in these chaotic, traumatic days that we're living in with wars and rumors of wars and earthquake and economic crisis and we hear so many negative voices how beautiful it is to know that our life is hid with God in Christ under the blood hallelujah hallelujah for the power of the blood brother Rose Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 22. I'm ready. Just doesn't look like I am. Now I'm ready. It's in the New Testament. Amen. <laughs> Read. And almost all things. And he, he, he wanted to say all things. He had to think. He said, well, almost. You could sum almost all things up. Go ahead. Are purged. Are purged. Just a moment. Okay, here we go. <laughs> the law, excuse me, are purged with blood. With blood. And without the shedding of blood. Now, almost all things are purged by the blood. And without the shedding of blood. Is no remission of sin. Now read that again. All right. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It doesn't say of it sin. It sure doesn't. It never has. Never. I've heard really preachers quote that just like you did. Of times. That it said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. That's right. No remission. It doesn't say that. Period. Because the blood doesn't stop when it just takes care of sin. It purges almost everything. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. You see, in the Old Testament, they sprinkled almost everything with blood. And what wasn't sprinkled with blood was uh, dabbed with oil. They had so much confidence in the power of the blood to cleanse, deliver, protect a total purgative remission. And for instance, Dr. Luke used the word remission a lot. The remission, that uh, repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name. He was a doctor. The word remission meant then just what it does now. Somebody's got a malignancy. And you'll say, well, they're better. It's in remission. That means it's in retreat. It's been arrested. It started backing up. Well, what the blood does is it attacks sin. 
and chases it. And here goes sin. Amen. What happened? Sin is, is in remission. Hallelujah. The devil is in remission. The works of the flesh are in remission. They're running. What are they in remission for? Because of the power of the blood. The devil fears the blood. Sin recognizes the blood. And the demons of hell quake and tremble at the mission of the blood of the Lamb. Oh, the power of the blood. I don't want to just verbalize it. I want to learn the principles that lead to the release of the power of the blood in my life, in my ministry. We're facing days of unparalleled darkness and unparalleled opportunity for the church. We need to recognize the efficacy of the blood. Isaiah chapter 6. In the year King Uzziah died. Isaiah had been looking at King Uzziah's throne and it was empty. He had to lift it above Uzziah's throne to see another throne that was never empty. And in the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord on his throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Oh, what is the secret to that? First of all, I personally see him high and lifted up. I look above all earthly potentates, heroes, champions, and thrones, and pin my attention on the exalted Lord. And as I look at him, and I pivot my attention on him, something happens. In verse 6, what is it, Brother Rose? Then flew one of the seraphims then unto as me. I looked, as I riveted my attention on him, heaven activated. If you want to activate the seraphims and the cherubs and the archangel and every other sub-angel, you get your eyes on the lordship of Jesus and you begin to exalt that and heaven started moving when he got his eyesight pinned on the Lord all of heaven went to moving and if you want heaven and the angels and the blood and everything God has to move in the Ohio camp I challenge you to lift up your eyes and see the Lord high and lift it up and glorify his name Read on, Brother Rose. Having a live coal Having in his hand. a live coal in his hand. Which he had taken with tongs from off the altar. From off the altar. Now, this was the brazen altar where blood fell on the coals. It wasn't the altar of incense. It was the bloody altar of sacrifice where there was fire. And the angel with tongs. I used to preach a sermon on too hot for angels to handle. Took tongs for the angels to handle this. And they reached down and got it. Tongs. Blood. Fire. Victory always begins at a bloody, fiery altar. And even though you see him high and lifted up. You must then personally see the bloody altar. The bloody altar. And gentlemen, whether you agree with me or not and whether I can explain it or not, it is dangerous for men to get to the fire before they get to the blood. That is the order of God. In the book of Leviticus, there were certain sacrifices that he said were wrung out at the bottom of the altar.
and then drug up on the altar. They bloodied the bottom and all the side of the altar before they ever got to the fire. And there is no shortcut around Calvary to the upper room. Somewhere, if you understand the release of God's fire, you're going to have to visit an altar and bloody the bottom of that altar and bloody the side of that altar as you climb. Oh, I want the fire. I want the fire. I want the fire. I want the power. You cannot get it in God's divine order without first the shedding of blood. Blood. The blood. Oh, I, I fear. I'm afraid of a Christless, crossless Pentecost. There's got to be an altar of death. There's got to be a sacrifice of the flesh. There's got to be a burning of self. There's got to be an offering on that blazing altar. God's message has always been a message of first blood and then fire. Not fire and then blood. You'll never make it until you first a bloody an altar somewhere and lay your flesh out before God and make a trip to Calvary and identify yourself with the Lamb of God that died there. If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Don't reach for the fire until you've been through the blood. It's going to take some death. You know, we've gotten to the place where we don't want to die. And even Pentecostals don't want to put the knife to Agag anymore. You know, we're a little bit afraid of getting too bloody. You know, if we can handle it without blood. And make it as painless as you can. Well, Brother Tenney, you'll be a lot more popular. And your message will go down a lot easier. There's just no way to get around the blood. When I came to Pentecost, they started purging the flesh. And as I look back after 33 years, I don't see anything they told me to give up that I needed anyhow. I mean, well, Brother Tenney, were those old timers tough? Tough! Tough! I came up under old Brother S.L. Wise. Tough! Oh, dear Lord, have mercy. Mm, the devil broke his teeth every time he tried to sink into those fellas. They were like Uncle Bud Robinson. He said when God called him, he said, Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll preach. He said, if you'll give me a backbone like a saw log, if you'll galvanize my britches, if you'll put a wagon load of determination in the gable end of my soul, I'll hit the devil as long as I got fist, I'll bite him as long as I got teeth, and then I'll gum him till I die. Oh, hallelujah, but it's going to be a fight all the way to the gate. Who ever heard of a victory without a battle anyhow? You know why we've got the victory? Because we've had a battle. And truth like freedom has to be fought for by succeeding generations. And 
this is still a bloody way. It was a gory way before it was a glory way. You've got to find an altar and Oh, let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. 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 Do you know how Adam was covered? After his fall, I personally believe he was covered with a kind of glory before the fall. But after the fall, an animal had to die. And blood had to be shed in order for him to be covered. And from that day to this, man has had a built-in theology of without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. You find it even in heathens and pagans. They believe in some kind of a blood sacrifice. Can't explain it. That's the way it is. Passover lamb time came. First Passover. The Lord's strange commission. Go slay a lamb and apply his blood to the doorpost of your home. Now if a family is too small. He said you can share the lamb with your neighbor. Aren't you glad we can share the lamb? But what if a man's got a big family. A wife and 25 kids. Well then he needs to slay two lambs. No, sir. I don't care how big your family is. It might be too small for the lamb, but it'll never be too big for the lamb. If you got a wife and 50 young'uns, one lamb will do the job because the lamb is sufficient. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Leviticus 17 and 11 said, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. And the word atonement means a covering. The blood covers. The blood protects. It doesn't just deliver. It actually protects takes us. Now, Exodus 8.23, Brother Rose. And I will put a division between my people and thy people tomorrow. Alright, the Lord said through Moses to Pharaoh, I'll put a division. And the Hebrew reads, I will put redemption between my people and thy people. The blood was between the plagues in Egypt and the blessings of God on the children of Israel. And it was the blood that That's protected right. them from the plagues. That's right. The blood, even though they did not understand it. Can you imagine Egypt when old Pharaoh said, I'm not going to let them go. And here came the frogs. Can you imagine that? Mrs. Pharaoh going and opening her chest of drawers. And all of a sudden, five. Ow! And she falls back on the bed, faint, and pulls the covers back. And ten frogs jump out from her. And she sends rings for the butler. Tell Pharaoh to come immediately. And Pharaoh, what is it? There's frogs everywhere. Oh, I know it. They're all over the land. It's that, it's that, that the children of Israel. It's their fault. And, and, and the frogs, they plague Egypt and plague. And finally, the head bullfrog said, Hey, I know the land of Goshen. We hadn't been there yet. Let's go. And here they go. Kaplunk, kaplunk. There's fresh meat in Goshen. And about that time, they're just about to cross the border and they jump up. Pukung. 
What is it? There's a division. A, a, a mythical invisible curtain. Here it goes. Kaboom. And here come a thousand more. Kaboom. And the first thing you know, frogs are stacked up like cordwood. And the children of Israel on the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't get me. God's put a division between me and thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For the protection of the blood. And the locusts come. Boing. They hit the same thing. They can't get through. And the hail comes. Boing. The children of Israel are spared. Flies. Plague of flies. Mrs. Pharaoh gets up in the morning and says to the little Pharaohites, What do you darlings want today? One of them said, Cereal. And she pours it out and they look and say, Oh, raisin bran. She says, No. Oh, no. It's not a raisin. It's flies. They're all over the place. Flies. But here fly the flies going to the land of Goshen. Brrr, boing, 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 boing. And here they are just uh, and the children of Israel over here under the safety of that invisible curtain. Um, hallelujah. You can't explain it. But there's a division between the people of God and the people of the world. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Psalms 105:37 tells us that Israel, the Israelites were victims of a lifetime of disease in Egypt. But one memorable night, everything changed. He said the blood shall be a token. Friend, I don't have time to pause and pitch my mental tent here very long. But do you know what a token is? That's just a little bit. And if the token did what that blood did, what must the real McCoy be able to do? Are we living beneath our privilege? You do not know how the devil fears the blood of Jesus. And if we don't activate it and use it and have faith in it, then we can be at his mercy. There's no doubt they were the laughing stock of Egypt over going out there and splattering that blood. But in one night, bondage ended. In one night, poverty ended. In one night, prison doors were opened. And it was all because of release through the blood. Did you ever read in Leviticus about the cleansing of the leper? When a leper was finally cleansed, they brought him to the priest and he took two birds. And they started pouring water and he killed one bird. And let his blood run in the basin with that water. And he took a piece of wood. And a piece of scarlet. And a little hyssop. And he wrapped it in that living bird. And he took that living bird and doused him in the blood. Can you imagine that little sparrow quivering? Oh, oh, I'm wrapped in wood and scarlet and dipped in blood and in the tight hands of the law. The tight hands of the priest. But all of a sudden, because of the wood, hallelujah, and the scarlet, and the blood. 
He went into an open field and took that little old quivering bird. Got him out in the open where he wouldn't bump into anything. Totally free. And he opened his hands and let him go free. Free because of the death of another kind like himself. Free from the clutches of bondage and the law. Because of a piece of wood and a little red and the blood and the water. Son, I can't help it. The water is part of the liberty. And when we are in the clutches of sin, are in the bondage of ecclesiastical drudgery without hope, it was the blood and the water and a substitutionary death and an old piece of wood that took me out in God's open field and set me free. And whosoever the Son of God sets free, he is free indeed. Thank God for the blood. Every flame of the tabernacle, every flame and tabernacle service had to be ignited from fire from the brazen or bloody altar. There'd be no labor of water if it wasn't for the blood. No fire in the inner court if it wasn't for the blood. I don't want to light my fires on anything less than the bloody altar of Calvary. I welcome anybody telling me what I can do that will identify me with him and make me love him more. And I really mean that. I'm not looking to do less. I'm looking to do more. And I'm not speaking of sacerdotal drudgery or legalism. I'm not a Pharisee. However, some people are Pharisees about not being Pharisees. And that I will leave for your mental consumption. The blood. The blood. Birds, blood, set free. Lambs, blood, set free. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ... How much more... Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, who through the eternal Spirit, offered Himself, offered Himself without spot, without spot to God, to God, purge your purge conscience, your conscience from, from dead, dead works, works to serve, serve the, the living, living God. God. Hallelujah! We are purged from a bunch of dead flesh. You know what cuts that old dead, draggy flesh over off of us? That's why I can't understand some deadheads in Pentecost. And I don't mean that you're always cutting cartwheels or didos all the time. But there ought to be something in your soul that can rev up a good hallelujah every now and then. Praise God. A lot of dullness in the Christian life and service is because we don't know the beaten path to the mercy seat. And if you'll get that old deadness cut off and that old dullness cut off. Shake hands with your neighbor and say, come alive. Come on. Why don't you do what I asked you to do? Say, come alive. 
the blood will cut off some of that old dullness and that old deadness. You get inundated with the blood again. You'll be like that little bird just waiting to break out and recognize that you've been set free. Perch, cut off that old flesh. Anytime, preacher, preacher, something. You say, I don't think that's necessary. Go down to that bloody altar and let the blood purge some of that old dead flesh off of you in here. Praise God. What difference does it make? Oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The purge power of the blood. We get into the dynamics of prayer through the blood. Daniel 9, 21, Brother Rose. Yea, whiles I was speaking in prayer. Oh, Daniel said, while I was a speaking in prayer. Even the man Gabriel. The man Gabriel. Whom, whom I had seen in a vision, in a vision at, the at the beginning. Being caused to fly swiftly. He said, I'll tell you what, I got in prayer and something happened to me just like it happened in the beginning. I got renewed. Hallelujah. Now, how did you get renewed, Daniel? Read on. He touched me touched about me the time. About the, the time of the oblation. evening oblation or sacrifice. Just as they were offering the bloody sacrifice, he found a spot at that old bloody altar and he renewed his experience in prayer. Prayers are answered through the blood. Hallelujah. It destroys the plague just like it did in Egypt. And we need to put away the plagues of murmuring and lethargy and unconcernedness and unwillingness. And it can best be done at the time of the evening oblation at an old-fashioned bloody altar. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. To go there and be able to say, I accept all that is of God. And I refuse all that is not of God. And I put it all under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's between my soul and defeat. The blood. Prayers answered. You know, there's a saying that we used to have a lot in Pentecost. I thank God sincerely. It's still in my vocabulary as my kids and wife can attest. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Uh, Brother Tenney, what what is it? I plead the blood. Sister Tenney and I, several years ago, were in a very serious car accident. She was nearly killed. And, and I came to myself, and she was bleeding profusely next to me. And people started rushing to the car, and I reached over and laid my hand on her. Now, there she was, bleeding nearly to death. And I've got my hands on her. And as people who are strangers to Pentecost walk up, I'm saying, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. They didn't understand, but the angels of God and the Almighty that was in that car understood that language. I plead the blood. Oh, I get in my automobile. I plead the blood. I've gone through my house saying, I plead the blood. When I was foreign missions director, you may or may not believe this. You can disagree with me if you want to because it's your right to be wrong. But I went overseas, especially Asia and Africa. And uh, this may sound strange, but it's true. My wife can attest to it. These strange demons from these foreign countries would follow me home. Absolutely. I have fought them all night long. Strange ones. 
In the middle of the night, they'd wake me up. I've heard my children wake up in the middle of the night and scream, not knowing why, and I would know. I would know. Not that I'm a spiritual giant, but I would just know exactly what it was. You know what I'd do? I'd get up, and I'd go all through my house. I'd go in every room. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And you know what would happen? The peace of God would flood that place. As the enemy made its exodus. Because the blood protects them. And the blood purges. And the death angel has to back up when it sees the power of the blood of the Lamb. Oh, I want to be able to use that blood. Hebrews 12, 24 said, The blood of Jesus speaketh, or the blood of the sprinkling, which is the blood of Jesus, speaketh better things than that of Abel. Do you mean blood talks? That's what the book said. And speech represents personality. And in Acts 20, 28, it said, The blood we're talking about is the blood of God. The only blood God ever had flowed in the veins of Jesus Christ. That's right. And the power of the blood is Christ's victory at Calvary. So the blood talks. I don't hear it, but I promise you it has spoken for me many, many times. Who knows the time that the enemy was about to put a clammy hand on Brother Rose some area. And he didn't know. But just as the devil reached out, something that even Brother Rose didn't hear said, right. Get your cotton picking hands off my child. That's right. Well, thank God. The devil's Hallelujah. I recognize that voice. I recognize that voice. That is the voice of the blood. I can't go any further. Amen. I can stay out here and howl and pitch and lie and try to frighten him to death. But I cannot lay my hand on him because he is under the blood. And I cannot pass him. Hallelujah. When I see the blood. When I see the blood. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Oh, we've got to have vital faith in the precious blood. It's not just repeating rhetoric. It's not just saying I plead the blood. But it's believing that something happens when you say it. The blood. The blood. The blood. And it talks for me. It'll slap the devil right in the face. But Brother Tenney, I've lived for God and things have gone wrong. Let me tell you something. If you're under the blood, even what goes wrong will be made right. Oh, thank you, Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. If you're under the blood. Praise the name of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19, 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. To enter into the holiest. Into the holiest. By the blood of by Jesus. By the blood. Read on. 
by a new, new and living way. And living, not a dead way. That's right. See, the old was drudgery. Oh, I got to kill my lamb. I got to kill my lamb. This is alive now. Yes, the lamb's yes, already been yes, slain right. by a new and living way. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Which he hath consecrated, consecrated for, us for us through the veil. Through the veil. That is to say, that his is flesh. To say his flesh. That veil was his flesh. That veil that Israel resented that kept them out. The veil of resentment became a veil of atonement. I've heard preachers say, well, the veil was rent in temple and the temple to let everybody in to the holiest of holies. Look, the furniture of the tabernacle, with one exception, is explained in Exodus from the holiest of holies out. Showing that God is reaching out. And I really think when Jesus' flesh, which was the veil, was riven, that what God was saying was, let me out. Let me get out to where people are. And not just one man once a year, but you let this blood and water, because out of his side, again, Brother Hal, came blood and water. Hallelujah. Let me get out among the populace. And we have access through the blood. Oh, hallelujah. God said, let me out. And his wounded side is open. And I have an invitation to walk through the wound. I can go right through the wounded side to the very heart of God. I can get in God's heart in his holiest of holies. Let this mind be in you through the wound. I can walk into the mind of Christ because I have access through the blood. I was at a very important meeting in our boardroom the other day. And it was very, very, a very, very meeting. Very important. And uh, I was explaining some things that needed to be explained. And all of a sudden, you have to go through a secretary, an administrative aide, and two doors to get into that boardroom. But all of a sudden, both doors, kablam, kablam. My buzzer had not buzzed. My secretary had not called. Our administrative aide had not come in. The door opened, and in walked a little fella about this tall. Unannounced. And I turned right around and smiled. And he walked right through the meeting, gentlemen. Hallelujah. And I don't care what he's doing, ruling the universe and hanging out stars and painting galaxies. When one of his own blood-washed, hallelujah, opens the door to the throne room and comes walking in. Hallelujah. Angels, step aside. I'm going to recognize this is one of my children. And they've got a blood right to walk through the wound into the very heart of God. Thank God for the blood. Oh, for 15 centuries, Israel had a sanctuary with the holiest of all. And under the pain and threat of death, nobody except the priest could enter in. Its one message was, man cannot dwell in God's presence. Stay out. But something changed.
Makobo Shalama Haya. Hallelujah. Oh, the cross. The cross firmly planted down in the rock, anchored to the needs of earth, pointing up perpendicularly to heaven, bringing the needs of earth to heaven. One arm out to a thief that accepted, and the other arm out likewise, without favoritism to one he knew was going to reject. But with the same loving arms, he reached for both. And he made a way. <laughs> Gentlemen and ladies, please take the limit off the atonement. There is nothing that God cannot do through the power of the blood of his majesty, the Lord Jesus Christ. For it was his blood, as I preached the other night, that took away. And I exalt him and I lift him up and I magnify him. I'm not preaching a dogma or a creed. I'm not preaching denominational bias. But I'm preaching the power of the blood of the Son of God. And he said, if I be lifted up, take the limit off the atonement. Revelation 11.8. And hear this if you don't hear another scripture. And their dead bodies. And their dead bodies. That's the dead bodies of the two witnesses. Shall lie in the street of the, the great street city. street of the great city. Which spiritually is called Sodom. Sodom. And Egypt. Egypt. Where also our Lord was crucified. Wait a minute. You know and I know. Jesus wasn't crucified in Egypt or Sodom. But this said he was. Whenever Jesus died on Calvary. His bloodline went all the way back to the first Passover lamb. That was slain in Egypt and planted the cross in Egypt and announced its sovereignty over everything that Egypt represents. The blood can take care of it. But it didn't stop there. It went all the way back till it got to Sodom. And why put a cross in Sodom? Because the lowest sin that God can think of is homosexuality. Sodomy. And he said, I'm going to the lowest point of the known earth, a cesspool of iniquity, where God couldn't find ten righteous souls. And in that cesspool of iniquity, I'm going to place the cross and say, yes, even the blood can take care of this. Take the limit off the atonement. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Paul named everything in the catalog of sin. Adultery, thievery, homosexuality. He named it all. And then he said to the church at Corinth, Such were some of you. But ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God, thank God for the blood. The power of the blood can overcome any sin. The power of the blood can purge from any sin. The power of the blood can protect. I lift up the exalted message of the blood. 
It is the blood that maketh an atonement, said Leviticus 17 and 11. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you, said Exodus 12, 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood, says Ephesians 2, 13. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood, says Hebrews 10, 19. For as much as ye know, ye were not redeemed by corruptible things such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood, says 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin, says 1 John 1, 7. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, said Revelation 12 and 11. Thank God for the blood. Some of you here are depressed, forlorn, discouraged. I plead the blood. Some of you are sick. I invoke the blood. Some of you are fearful. I bind you to the blood. And you can walk in the liberating power of the blood of Jesus. Satan and all of his demons doesn't want you to get one glimpse in to the meaning of this message. I heard old brother E.L. Freeman tell some time ago about being way back in the bush country of South Africa. They told him of a woman that was demented and tormented, raving out of her mind. He said, bring her to me. And they literally drug her, several men holding her, thrashing, falching. And he asked them, he said, can she speak English? They said, no. And uh, he asked them a couple of other languages he could speak. Can she speak? No, she knows none of those languages. He said, well, bring her on in here. Get her close to me. And as she came close to him, her hand broke loose. And she pointed a finger right in his face. And in perfect English, she said, E.L. Freeman, I know you. And I'm not afraid of you. She knew no English. The Spirit. Brother Freeman said, I answered her back and I said, I know you know me and I know you're not afraid of me. But I've got something you are afraid of. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. By the blood and in the name of Jesus, come out of her. Hallelujah. Come out of her. And she tore herself. And the power of the name, the power of the blood, and the power of the name, the power of the blood, and the power of the name. Oh! 
Set free. He promised that he's coming, and I know his word is true. And it just can't be very long till he's coming back for me and you.
Jesus Christ has overcome the world for you and I. He said in the, his word, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And it thrills me when I begin to realize that Jesus Christ did not have to overcome the world to prove anything to himself or to prove anything to Satan. Because with one sweep of his hand, one thought from his mind, one word from his mouth, he could have overcome every kingdom in this world, every power in heaven, every power on earth and in hell. He could have overcome it so easily 
yet he chose to wrap himself in the fragile garments of flesh and come here to show you and I that we could be overcomers through his power. I'm so thankful tonight that Jesus Christ has overcome. upon his back struggling beneath the weight never looking back he who came to bring the world peace goodwill to men he healed the sick and raised the dead yet this is how it ends his mother stands beneath Oh, seeking to devour my life, my 
my spirit and my soul. He mocked me in my weakness, bound me tight with sin. I was not a match for him, for I could never win. And the Jesus Christ has overcome my problems. Jesus Christ has overcome my trials. He's overcome my sicknesses, my heartaches, my griefs, my sorrows. Hallelujah. And there is no demon that can raise its ugly head and look at me, but what Jesus Christ has not already conquered him. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. And whatever you might be facing in your life tonight, I'm here to tell you that you are looking at a conquered foe. Because there is nothing that has dominion over you if you have the power of Jesus Christ in your life. And as we sing this song again, we come to the chorus and begin to sing, He has overcome. If you're willing to claim His victory as your own victory, the victory that He won nearly 2,000 years ago, you can claim it for yourself tonight. I want you to stand on your feet and begin to sing it with us as we sing, He has overcome. And let Jesus fill your heart and soul with His victory, His power, and His love. Through my life I struggle as one who beats the air. Fighting an enemy, never getting anywhere. He was a roaring lion. Roaming to and fro, seeking to devour my life, my spirit, and my soul. He mocked me in my weakness, bound me tight with sin, and I was not a match for him, for I could never win. 
Where are you? 
of this glorious apostolic truth. I'm glad I came to know the Lord 23 years ago, and He's been just as wonderful every day. The assurance that He gives me that if I live for Him, obey His Word, and be faithful to the work of God, someday I'm going to be able to be with Him. Aren't you thankful for the blessed assurance that we have? Could you just give the Lord some praise now for what He's done for you? Hallelujah. Salvation, I'm just a girl. 